Hey folks, welcome to another edition to Let's Talk Sports with the personality and the specimen. Today we are going to be talking about uh, the top big four uh, sports in the world, NBA, baseball, NHL, and uh, so we're going to jump into the NBA to start. Um, Seeing as we're both Canadians, we're going to talk a little bit about the Raptors right now. So the Raptors are reporting that they have to trade talks with Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell uh, are taking place. Now, if you're a Raptors fan, there's a lot of hype behind this and there's a lot of worry behind this. The hype behind this is, yeah, Kyle Lowry is playing well for the Raptors, but we need to get rid of him based on his age and how much he's going to be getting paid. Guys like Norman Powell, you hate to see leave because he's playing lights out for the Raptors. He's hitting that three. He's got his strut and his step, and uh, the guy can ball. And he's young. You want to keep him with that core team. And I truly don't think by looking at the players available and stuff right now, you are not going to get back the same uh, caliber player as what you have in Norman Powell. Um, With Cal Lowry, you're not going to get a player up to his level right now, in my opinion. But you're going to get a young prospect that potentially could grow into a great player. You're going to open up cap space, which allows you to get other things down the road. We really need to get rid of Baines. I don't know why the Raptors picked up this guy. Um, in my opinion, whoever was in charge of uh, getting the Raptors bigs this year really dropped the fucking ball because they got us. They literally got us. In my opinion, this guy belongs in the G League. He's garbage. <laughs> um, like, he runs around. It's moving screens left, right, and center. Just trash. Like, you're a big and you're underneath the net, and you're not. You're airballing it. Like, what the fuck? You're in the NBA. Like, I, I don't get this. I, I, go to, I go to the basketball court down the street, and I see young high school kids hitting threes, hitting buckets underneath, not airballing it. You're in the big show. And you're open up underneath the net, and you're down by 15, and you're airballing it. Sorry, get the fuck out of town. We don't need you. So, um, yeah, the Raptors are in big trouble here right now, especially when you got teams like Denver. Um, you got teams like Utah. Um, Do you think uh, they make the playoffs? Utah? No, Toronto. Uh, Toronto's in trouble right now. If uh, if Toronto doesn't go on a winning streak here in the next week, I, I don't see them making the playoffs. Losing, see, losers of nine is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. They like, lost to Houston, did they not? Yes, they did. Like, Which is brutal. Did. They were on a 20. I just find how you were touching on the Raptors. Now they're selling. I thought a few years ago, and the personality is a big Raptors guy. I'm actually a Celtics Pistons guy because that's what I was raised on is watching these two. And I thought – like I thought the Drummond to Toronto would just make sense. The problem when the Pistons got rid of Andre Drummond is the Pistons tried to make this guy a flagship player. However, this guy can't shoot very damn well. If you put him in Toronto, he can get rebounds though. That's what Andre Drummond is always about. I find it very interesting that Toronto hasn't pulled the trigger on a player like that, considering Cleveland has been trying to, I have the bastard in fantasy, and he hasn't played in three weeks because Cleveland won't play him until they trade him. And they might just cut his ass. So, like, really, if Toronto can turn this shit around real quick, I would say that Andre Drummond, I've heard his name circulated for years around the 
Raptors. You plug him in. He's a big boy. They can shoot. The thing that I always thought the way you play with Andre Drummond is you get his ass underneath the bucket and you let your boy shoot threes and that guy better damn will get the rebound. You don't want him shooting and you don't want him fouled because he set the record for missing free throws. Let's put it that way. But, (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, I think that if anybody, they're talking L.A. and Brooklyn, I think Toronto needs to make a move here. Brooklyn has enough. This is what's wrong with the NBA when everyone, everybody can go to one damn team. It's annoying. Yeah, I, I don't like how the NBA is making these super teams. In my opinion, it started with uh, a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this when LeBron and Wade and uh, Bosch ended up making that super team. I don't know what the fuck they were doing taking Chris Bosch, anyways. Am I like why? Why wouldn't you take Carmelo Anthony? He was the better out of the, the like Bosch and them. Like I think they would have won six with Melo down there, but instead they get blood clot Bosch and uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> retires. So <laughs> well, and before that, some people used to. I remember the Heat fans and LeBron fans. They used to point when I was selfish. <laughs> oh, you guys did it first. Ray Al, Paul Pierce, and KG. We didn't have a fucking meeting and decide that we're going to go all sit down and have a cappuccino and decide what team we go to. That is when the sport, even MJ said, that's when shit started. That was bullshit when you sit down and do stuff like that. Yeah, backdoor deals, and then, like, the players are determining what they have to make in order to go and stuff like that. Like, to me, it's, they're they're wrecking the league. Like, because now you have... Okay, you had uh, last year, you had, well, for last, let's go arguably three years, last three years, Milwaukee's been on a push coming up, right? Well, <laughs> this year, and like, I, I do not see Milwaukee beating uh, Brooklyn in the East, for that matter. Or and, even Philly. Well, and every t- and it's the same thing. It's like, as soon as they hit playoffs every year, the game changes. Giannis is a big that likes to run the floor. No. What happens is these NBA teams need to get it in their goddamn heads that you look back in the day when you had a big that was dominant down below, it, you were able to come back in games and make shit close. So with the, with the way the game has gone now, where it seems like everybody and their mother can shoot a three-pointer, um, you need these bigs down below. A, like you said, rebounding, but ball can, like ball control. So if you have the ball, you control pace of game, and you're able to slow things up. So if you come from a team that doesn't shoot the three very well, and you got somebody that can rebound down below, well, you can slow the other team from, A, running it down your neck on you, or just running to the other side and hitting the the three on you. So to me, having a big, like, I think you're going to see a lot of teams – trying to find bigs uh, coming into the, like the, the way the game's gone. Uh, if a, like, if any team had a player like Shaq, how he was dominant back then, you would see how the league is drastically changing. Like, I, I don't know where all the bigs have gone. Like, I don't know if the kids in the States need to stop uh, selling drugs or getting in trouble or whatever, but I know there's lots of bigs in the world. Go play basketball, go get yourself a bag. And go change the league. Because right now, I think the biggest guy or one of the biggest centers in the league is like Rudy Gobert. And he plays for uh, Utah. He's an athletic big. But let, let's be real. Like, you put you put a guy 
like Dwight Howard that's got some muscle that's bigger on him. Yeah, he's older. Gives him problems all goddamn game. So, teams, open up your eyes. Yeah, it's it's not fun. It's fun to watch when you got a big down there rebounding and slamming it down your neck and, you know, doing shit like that. It's not as entertaining as a three ball, but it wins you games. So just do it. <laughs> like, at the end of the ga- day, this is a business. This is not just entertainment. And uh, when you're losing, that's a problem. So let's turn this all around. I think bigs truly need to come back to the league. And that's just my opinion. But uh, with the way things are going right now, it's not promising. And like you got, like you said, like LA stacked. And then you got ports. Like you look at teams like Portland and uh, Dallas on paper, really good. But they do not have the capital or the superstar power to compete with teams that are making super teams like the Lakers um, and Brooklyn. Like I think, well, and arguably you could say the Clippers are, uh, are theoretically well, the trying. The West yeah. period is just stronger. You look at in a few days here, what day is that? To, like in a few days or like it just, there's all these standings jump, right? It's all over the place. Oh yeah. And, 100%. and that's just it. And there's a lot of good, good teams here, but like I see the West is a stronger division. The West is stronger, and see that that goes back to what we talked about in a previous episode. Is you look at um, how states are structured tax wise, and the I feel like the Western states, minus Florida and stuff like that, but the Western states give way bigger tax breaks than the East. So you have and California's is huge. Though. That's the craziest thing is I think it's like the heartland of like theirs is like 15%. I think the thing with them is that's like the heartland of basketball almost. Cause you got the Clippers who sucked for years. Now they're great. The Lakers, yep. then you have golden state and they got their fan base because of their runs. And then like you look at in that area, they got some good teams minus Sacramento. Like, right. They got some good teams in that area. And this year, it's nice to see Phoenix and Utah up there. That's what I've noticed. It's like it's nice to see finally some different teams in the West. It'd be nice to see Utah make it. Yeah, it would be because Utah was like, if you look at like <laughs> historically, Utah like with uh, uh, you got Stockton back in the day, you got Mahone or uh, Malone uh-huh. back in the day. It's like, yeah, they've always put together these good teams, but I feel and like. Tell, tell me if I'm wrong. Like, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion, have been treated like Stockton and Malone. They have been pretty much graded as, like, B-graded superstars compared to, like, LeBron James. Yeah, oh, for sure. A-listed. It's like, these guys got the best record in the NBA, and you're telling me that they're not going to win? Like, yeah. why? Just, be, just because it's not LeBron James? Like, come on, folks. Like... Well, and that's just it, right? Like, sometimes you look at that and you think, holy, like, how are they not mentioned among them? It's it's disgusting. And even if you look at this year's, um, uh, what was it, uh, All-Star Game, they got picked last. Both of them, Gobert and um, Donovan Mitchell, were the two last picks of um, LeBron James and Kevin Durant. That is a slap in the goddamn face. They have the best record. Why aren't you taking them first? 
Yeah. You know, it, it, to, to me, this is just, it's not making sense. And it's a slap in the face to Utah. And if I was Utah, I would be using this as flames to my fire. So, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. So bridging into our next one, though, is baseball. Baseball starts on Thursday. That's a big thing. We're starting here on April 1st. And a lot of people, if you're not familiar with the MLB, yeah, we are in Canada, um, the personality and the specimen. But the biggest things to be watching this season, what I'm going to be touching on is the 10 teams, if you're going to be watching some games, these are teams to look out for. And I start off with number 10, St. Louis Cardinals. They got some pieces. They got Paul DeJong. They got Goldschmidt. And they usually, this team is always consistent. It's iffy their uh, rotation, which is going to be their question, how they stay in here. I could see Oakland jumping and taking this spot into the top 10, but it should there should be enough here for this team to be playing into October. Moving up that Tampa Bay, yeah, they were in it last year. They just don't pay. So if you've watched this team in the previous years, they just do not pay their players. Usually these guys leave. This team was fun to watch. They just got outplayed by money, right? It's money ball in the end of the day. They're trying to run it versus a team, the Dodgers, who spend so much money. And Tampa Bay is a team to watch this year, I think. Like, I see them as a very, very, very good team. Going forward, though, for all our Canadian viewers, number uh, – and this some people might think is a little low, but I have Toronto in that eighth spot. I think that – I think that they got a nice core with Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Big Eel, and then they got George Springer. They got Marcus Seaman from Oakland, and they got some. They have some all-star production. Their question has always been in the Blue Jays, even when they made the playoffs, that rotation. And if you're going to go on a dark horse and you're going to maybe spend some money betting, it, Hinju Ryu could be a dark horse really to win the AL East, right? Like he could, if you're going to just, he could win them this. He's that good. So you moving think- up Minnesota, this is a weaker, this like this is a weaker division there. And so I put them up there. They have Nelson Cruz. They got Josh Donaldson. If he can ever get back to where he was, Max Kepler's great. This team's loaded. They have a nice little, like in their rotation, they have Kenta Maeda and Jose Barros. I might have just murdered that, but at the end of the day, <laughs> they got a good little team, and I think the Twins can be up there. I really do. Now, the team that jumped the most, I think, is the Mets. And if you followed it, they got Lindor. That's a huge move for them, and they're moving into the right direction. They added on the other side into the rotation, Tejan Walker, who I've really enjoyed in the past. He fits in near maybe in the back end there, and – I think he could be very, very good for them going forward. Tim Tebow announced his retirement, of course, but that makes no implications because he wasn't going to play in the MLB, in my opinion, at this point. Tim Moving, Tebow? No. I, I don't think he was going to make it. And for me, that like the Mets are a team that are on the cusp. Do they have enough? Pete Alonso is a great all-star if you've watched them. Now, he needs to get more consistent. He can pop and he can move the ball, but – can he get more consistent at plate? That's how champs are made. Moving forward into my top five, and then we're going to get into some discussion, is Chicago White Sox. I have them winning. They're uh, the AL Central there. I think they're the best team. They have so much talent on this team. And their lineup features, of course, Tim Anderson. 
Yemez, Monchado, Robert, Abreu. This team is loaded. They have a nice catcher in Grandel. And I, I just like this team. Like, I really do. And they feature three strong starters in Galato, Lynn, and Keith, Dallas Kiko from Houston. They got a good team. And I think that they could push this. And this could be a team to even – that could – if you're going to bet on an underdog squad, this could be one. If they're, if they're considered an underdog, I would put on them. Number four – New York Yankees, and I know I'm talking a lot, but the New York Yankees question is very similar to Toronto's, is can their pitching get going? They have two loaded all-stars if you watch them. DJ LeMahieu is sometimes overshadowed by Judge, but DJ LeMahieu is a baller, and he's probably the best Yankee if you're actually watching them. A lot of the bigger names like Aaron Judge, he's good, but he has the same issue. He's got to get the plate discipline down, and he could compete for the AL MVP, but I, I think that their best player is DJ LeMayu. Glenn Carlos Stanton, if he doesn't get hurt, he can stay healthy. This team could get real scary. And that's just to touch on a few. They have Corey Kluber, if he can stay healthy as well. They have a lot of question marks. That's why they're at four. Now, moving up the chain, the Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr. is just unreal. If you have not got to see this guy, he can steal bases. He can pop. He can move the ball. He does everything you want. He's what's right in MLB today. And I love him. I really do. I have him in fantasy. I think he's a great superstar, and he's good for the league. The Braves have put it all in, and I thought that that was kind of a smart move. They have Freddie Freeman, Azunia, Heat Marcel, Ozzy Elvis. They got a good team. They have an impressive depth in Jason Kipnis and Jake Lamb as well. And this team, their thing will be, can they compete with the top two? And now when I was saying at the beginning, if you're going to watch any baseball, and I've been flying through this, so if you have to slow it down, you can slow it down, re-listen. Is these two teams, if they're on TV, or if you have MLB TV, these are the two. They're division rivals. They are going to be where the top baseball is played. And I find living in Canada sometimes, I'm not shitting on the Blue Jays. I'm a Tigers fan. They're horrible. But the Toronto (laughs) Blue Jays are a great team. But if you just watch the Blue Jays, you're going to be missing out on a lot of talent. And number two and one are San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And these division rivals are going to make baseball. If you have not watched baseball in your previous years, this is the teams to watch. Finally, the Padres are going to spend some money. And they got Hugh Darvish, Snell, Joe Musgrave. They have built a rotation to take on their rivals up north, the L.A. Dodgers. And I honestly think if you're going to be starting to watch some baseball, this would be a team, if you're not in Canada, to really get behind because they're a fun team. They have one of the best shortstops, best players in the game, Fernando Tatis Jr. He is just unreal. He is my favorite probably player to maybe win the MVP this year, if not maybe Ronald Cunha. But this is the team that I would really like to see actually take out the Dodgers because the Dodgers spend, now the Padres have spent. Moving into the number one, of course, is L.A. They are the champs. And I'm all about if you keep your team together, you got to beat the champs to be the champs. They just have – I think that if you don't watch this team, you're missing out on two of the best players in the entire MLB. And most people who are looking in or just do fantasy would know these two. Other people would be like, oh, Kershaw. Kershaw's great, but this team won because of Mookie Betts, that signing, and they have Cody Bellinger. And that's their top – that's kind of the – build of the LA Dodgers moving forward is there got the young two guys they spend money and they're going to be very scary they have the pitching with Walker Bueller and Kershaw and they're scary because they have the depth those are the top 10 for me 
if what Nathan, what do you want to add to that there? Um, I like your picks. Um, I think the Royals this year are going to be uh, a Cinderella story. That's who I'm picking uh, out of the ALC or AL Central. Um, I don't know what it is about them. Uh, they made a couple key moves. Um, I, I just really like the Oriole or the Royals rather. Um, and I actually I agree with everything else you said. Baseball is not really one of my uh, strong suits, but. Uh, I guess it's just hard for me. There's so many goddamn games in the season, and none of them matter really until the last 20. So it's like... Well, and that's playoff. the beauty part about MLB TV, really. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it, you're right, because it, it shows so many games that uh, it, it enables, like, you're able to stay up to date. Uh, the Jays actually got a lot this year that uh, I was just looking at. Springer's like they got, the big one. And they got Yates, too. Yeah. He's hurt uh, right now, though. I don't know if he's going to start the season. That Springer signing was insane, though. He's all-star. I could see the Jays are one of those teams, right? They could be a Cinderella story. I had them in, I had them sitting at that eight spot, but I could easily see them moving up. And if you're a sleeper, Kansas City's way down on the charts, but it's worth a sleeper. A lot of odds makers are saying L.A. L.A. Angels are not a team I would bet on. I've just believed in. I think the hype around them is always trope. And Trout is amazing, but he reminds me a heck of a lot. And I read this years ago on the Edmonton Oilers, how you have the best player in the world and you just don't have the, they're very top heavy, this team. They're not, they're, they don't have the depth to go the distance with the big boys, the angels. And that's where I see them is that signing of Pujols years ago was just horrible. Did you see uh, the Cubs? They, uh, they released Jesus. I'm going to butcher this name, Camarigo. Yeah, crazy. For, did, you, did you see what they found in his bag? No. 20, 21 pounds of methamphetamine, uh, 1.2 pounds of oxycodone in his Cubs equipment bag. Who does that? <laughs> like, what? Buddy, you're not Heisenberg. We're not playing Walter White. <laughs> like, like, the you're literally making it to the big dance where you don't have to worry about any of this shit ever again. And here you are pulling Slumlord. Holy shit, kid. That's going to be, uh, you're going to regret this till the day you die. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I... and, and how are you not going to jail for like a long ass time? Oh, and that's just it. It's like, how do you get to this point? It's like, I, I just don't understand some of these guys at all. And now that he's gone, it's, the Cubs, It's that team fell from grace a little bit there. They're, uh, they won that, and then they kind of fell. I don't know about the Chicago Cubs anyways on that. Boston Red Sox are another team that fell way down. If yeah. That's where MLB TV, honestly, and that's where I watch is you can watch so many teams, and it's the only way to watch the Tigers for me. And they got some top pitching prospects, Casey Miz and Terry Scoble. And they actually have Spencer Tarlickson, MVP upside, of course, in their number one overall pick. And that's how I watch them, but – I like just to see different teams and I like that you can listen to either the home or away broadcast. And I do believe that what you said though, on Toronto, I think, I think they're going to be asleep for Toronto's thing is if they can get on a run, they always, they seem like a, if you hit Toronto when they're on a hot streak, good luck to you. If they're on a cold streak, you don't even have to play good to beat them. They're a very strange team and the season's long. Like you said, they're going to have to get consistent to win that thing. I think they can push New York. I think that Tampa, I think that division is one of the best. 
in the AL yeah. for sure. I think it's one of the best in the AL for sure. I do think that the Padres and Dodgers division is the best just because you have two top heavy teams in there and they're just unreal. But that that's kind of the outtakes. And for like fantasy people out there to do some baseball fantasy drafts, I would look at, I've always used the strategy of get some batters and then surround it with some pitching later, just because the pitching address in fantasy has always been, there's so many, like you said, there's so many games and people get hurt. I just find if you, in baseball, pitchers win you championships, but often it's not the pitching staff you start with. It's the depth at the end of the day. Exactly. It's like you got to be able to put up points early in the season, and then later on in the season, that's when you're relying on your pitching. That's yeah. how I think baseball works for me. But uh, for me, baseball is just really dry um, regular season, and it's not until, like, the last 20 games of regular season that it starts getting, like, because literally it's like a half a game could put you down three spots at that point. Oh, yeah. And so, that's where I'm going to highlight each week when I touch on it. It's just some games to watch. Like, even watch the highlights. If you can't fit the whole game in, rather than stick to one team. Because I do find that – I hate to use this word, but I use, I'm use i going to use this a lot – is homers. You become a homer if you watch one team. Because you don't understand. It's like you – you literally look through a pencil hole and that's all you see. You don't see the whole world that everything else going around in it. You just see one team. And I'm not just shitting on Blue Jay fans. This happens all over the place. People think that their team's going to be the best. But if you haven't watched the best teams, it's hard to say that you know your team's going to go to the World Series. And I think that's why you get so many podcasts and other people, experts, that are kind of homers. And they don't, if you don't watch a little bit of everything, then you're not going to understand what's going on. And it's kind of cool each week to feature different teams and see what's it about. And I really like, like I said, the Braves. I think the Braves can be a fun team when you have Ronald Acuna Jr. And he's everything that's right with baseball, in my opinion. I really, I love watching him. And I'm hoping that they can put something together in Atlanta. Yeah, the Braves, and they're one of those teams too, that it's like every three, four years, they go up and then they go down. Yeah, and I think they built the roster this time right, though. I think that they might stick there for a bit. They're nice and young. They've surrounded him with some talent. And going forward, I think the Braves are going to be that. But I'm going to wrap it up right there on the baseball. And I'm going to go straight into our sponsor. Our sponsor is Fit Code Conditioning. So if you've been lacking that fitness motivation, getting you moving, don't worry. Fit Code Conditioning has a personal app that sends you your exercises, depending if you're home or in a gym, the program is built to what you can work with. The biggest thing going forward with this is it can change your life. Every exercise has full streaming video to show you what to do. It pairs with your favorite things. My Fitness Pal, Fitbit, and Apple Watch. If you have any questions on this, follow the link in our description. It can change your life. And let's get active today. 100%. 100%. Good people, good vibes. Let's go. So our third topic for the day is NHL. So much is happening in today's, today's NHL is just wild to me. For one, I, I don't really like um, the structure of it right now. I don't like how there's uh, like the Canadians are just playing the Canadians. Like Canadian teams, rather, not like the Montreal Canadiens. And then you got the American conferences broke up, how they have them broke up. Just because 
I don't think you're making it a fair playing board across the league. And I'm not trying to take anything away from some of the Canadian teams out there, but you don't get to play against the league's talent pool. And how is that going to affect things going into the playoffs when players aren't accustomed to playing the very best? You know what I mean? Well, and that's just, you know what? I think it's what Don Cherry said years ago, and then they blackballed Don, right? Like, oh, let's, that, that's let's be real. <laughs> they blackballed Don, and he hit this on the nail. People today can't stick with what worked. The NHL playoffs, right now, the way it looks is, he said this, when you stay in your division, when they did this, they have four divisions, and if you're not familiar, basically what happens is you win yours and move on. He said the first round, you're going to get great games, but later in the playoffs, you're going to get shit. And I think that's what's going to happen to the Canadian division. Because I think the North, the four teams, they'll play each other out, right? Whoever wins it. But then you look at the other divisions. I don't think Toronto, and I don't think Edmonton or Winnipeg, your top three squads, really, that they can take on teams like the Islanders or Ovi and the Capitals. You look at those other divisions, and they're fighting. Like the East Division has the Islanders, Capitals, Penguins, Bruins, Flyers, Rangers. The Flyers are 15 and 12 and aren't going to make the playoffs, most likely. Them are Bruins, right? You have those two battling for a spot to even get in. Yep. And then the other division that's absolutely insane is that central thing they put together down there with the Lightning, Carolina, Florida. Like, they're just insane. Those three teams, you take those teams, they're three of the better teams in the entire NHL. And, Ed, like, the Northern Division, Edmonton hasn't had to play, like you said this year, Vegas. And I listened to, I yeah. figured, like, you have Vegas is a stud team. Like, that division, you have Vegas, you have Colorado, you have Minnesota. I just find, and people will say, well, guess what? Look at our records. Yeah, but you have to look at the teams that they're playing, too. In the Canadian division, Ottawa has been the punching bag. Calgary yep. has not been good. Vancouver has hot streaks. Montreal started hot, hasn't been that good. So you really got... In my opinion, that Northern Division is just a three-team race. And you knew at the beginning of the year that Toronto, with their they're the one team, and I hate them. But at the end of the day, they have more depth than the rest of them. And when they played Edmonton, that's how they beat them. Edmonton's got a lot of top-heavy talent and the best player in the world, in my opinion, in McDavid. But they just don't have that depth. And I don't see in the playoffs, I think down the road, we're going to get some crappy games once this first these rounds are gone. Because if you're going to be watching games in the playoffs, I'd be watching a lot of those central. Like Carolina-Florida series could be real good if that's how it ends. Or Tampa Bay-Chicago. Chicago's even beat Tampa here and there. And then that Eastern Division, you could have like the Bruins-Islanders, Capitals-Penguins. And anytime you get OB versus Crosby, I don't care what year it is, it's good, right? Yeah, well, and that's – I truly believe that too, but like – you look at um, play, or teams like the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders have only had eight losses. Everyone's like, oh, the Islanders are doing so good this year. Yeah, but you got to look at their division right now. Their division isn't very solid. Uh, I think the Islanders' division is good. Really? You think the East is good this year? I think Washington, the Islanders, Penguins, Bruins, Flyers, is a dogfight, right? You look at, there's only two teams under 500. Buffalo, shit. New Jersey had that stupid COVID outbreak at the beginning of the year. You almost have 500 teams there. You look at some of these other, like, I know that people would say, well, look at the Canadian one. It's almost the same. Yeah, but look at how shitty 
Ottawa, and these teams, they play each other too much, like you said. Where in this division, they're beating up on each other, right? Like Pittsburgh and Philly are always good games. Boston is usually running the division when they're with Toronto and Montreal. Now look at them. They're in fourth, fighting for their lives. And see, and I don't know how this is going to transfer over to the playoffs because, like, like you said, you do have teams that are, like, accustomed to playing each other that have, um, like, for example, you have, um, let, let's say the Leafs and the Senators are going to play. How many times do they play each other in a season in this format? You pretty much know the ins and the outs of the teams. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then, like, is this going to make it so when these teams are eliminated and you go on to the next round, you haven't played these teams at all, all season. So what's this going to look like? You know, it's 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 going to be like playing a team you've never played against before. Or the first game of the series, like the seven-game series, are going to be absolute shit because it's literally one team just, like, figuring things out. You know what I mean? Oh, so I, I, that's I don't what really... I think is going to I think that whoever hits this winner of the Central Division, whichever division plays that one, good luck. Is... <laughs> like if you I have like, to play Tampa Bay, Carolina, or Florida, I think Tampa will probably come out of that. Good luck, because you got to remember the Lightning right now don't even have Kucherov. They're basically holding the guy and saying, "This we're going to get to the playoffs." Then old Kucherov, you come off the old bench and the injured, and you jump into this thing. And I think they might play him <laughs> a little bit at the end of the season here just to get some legs under him. I I think the Lightning would be my pick to win this thing. Just looking at things is like you said. I think Toronto or Edmonton, whoever wins this division or Winnipeg, if they hit a tough team, like I don't like, I don't think this team's going to make it. But if a team like the Flyers made it and Edmonton had to play them, they hit, they hit, and it would have been like a few years ago when the Ducks beat Edmonton and everybody was shocked and they were complaining about calls and there was some shit calls. Let's be real, but you hit some of these teams that are finesse like the Canadian teams here. I don't think they can stick with the big boys when you're getting hit and they don't have the depth. They do not have, and Edmonton does not have a goaltender. And that's just at the end of the day, Mike Smith is 39 years old. And if you think you can ride him throughout the entire playoffs, you got another thing coming. And when playoff hockey, since I watched it is you need those pillars on the defense that can play 30 minutes and take you to the cup. And I don't see Toronto. I don't see Edmonton. I don't see Winnipeg or Montreal. I would look at Vegas if you're wanting to look at a team that Petrolangelo signing, very nice. I would look at a team with some defense, and Tampa Bay has one of the best in Victor Hedman. And I, I, I my pick would maybe be Tampa Bay versus Vegas in the Stanley Cup. The Islanders could be sneaky, but you got to look at the teams with depth in playoffs because poor Connor McDavid here in Edmonton. I love him, but at the end of the day, he has to score three times or be get three points for this team to win. If he doesn't do that, then they lose. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent they do, and like it's unfortunate that like Edmonton almost had. If you look at it, history always repeats itself, right? And when I say that. It, it, you just look at like certain things in life and it always comes back into full tuition, but like, okay, the Oilers got Gretzky back in the day. They had this all-star stud that could skate and score points. Now, why is the Oilers organization not thinking back to those days when you put Messier, you put guys around Curry. Him that did not allow him to get hurt. 
You know well, what I mean? Add some for depth. That. That's exactly like you got now. You have McDavid, who's arguably the best player in the game, and you're not putting anybody around him. Sorry, like you're supposed to be like the greatest. When well, I get into this argument NHL. with Oiler fans all the time, at the end of the day, they all the sad part is this: in where I live here in Edmonton, everybody loves dry side. So here's my thought process is if Dreisaitl is so damn good, he should line his own. He should be on a center on his own line with McDavid on one, Dreisaitl on two. And then you surround these guys with wingers and then put them together on the power play. Dreisaitl, when I watch games, he has great areas of his game. He will go on a streak where he's the best player in the NHL. But then I look at where the puck's coming from. And at the end of the day, Connor McDavid is the man. He is the man. He sets everything up. His passes are insane. And Dreisaitl, like literally, it's put right on a stick to put it in. And I don't dislike Leon Dreisaitl. All I'm saying is the Edmonton Oilers have to be able to get more depth to this team. And when you have all that firepower on one line, if that line isn't firing that night, you're losing. And what's going to happen time and time again is they'll hit the playoffs. They'll hit a team that hits them and takes that line, you put a checking line up front on them, and a team with a goalie and a defense, and now Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl maybe have a cold streak a, a game or two, and that loses you the series. And it's just going to repeat and repeat. Back in the day, the Oilers didn't have that. They had Paul Coffey, Kevin Lowe, and Grant Fear wasn't a great goalie, but they had many goalies over that time. Bill Ranford, Andy Moog, they had so many goaltenders that were half-decent. Like maybe not superstars, but they were decent. Edmonton goes into these playoffs with Mike Smith because Koskinen can't do anything. He looks okay in a game, but he, you can't trust him. Well, no, and like the Oilers organization is kind of it's kind of finicky that way. Like, why would you put McDavid and Drysdale on the same lineup when that's a third on the same line when that's a third of your uh, salary cap on one line? Like, you know what I mean? It's It doesn't make sense. Like, at least uh, players like Toronto that have multiple superstars, they they scatter them around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they got uh, good players on all their lines, but teams like uh, Edmonton, when you have, like, you're playing four-line hockey here, you literally have a third of your salary cap on one lineup, and then what what's going to happen to the rest of your Well, I always lines? look like, at the Penguins, right? They all Edmonton people always want to compare Crosby and Malkin to Dreisaitl and McDavid. Here's the difference for people who don't watch Pittsburgh. Malkin lines his own line. Like, he yeah. holds his own. Then Malkin comes up on the power play, and you're laughing. Because then you have Gunsel, Malkin, Russ, Latang, Sidney Crosby. You got a power play built. And Malkin, like, I've always argued, and it's going to be very against what people think. But I like when a guy can be on his own line and he can create his own points, create, do things. I'm not a big fan of Dreisaitl sitting on the line with McDavid for his whole career. And I don't even think that's his fault. That's shitty coaching. Like, that's not, don't get angry at Leon and be, oh, I dislike Leon. Like, I'm starting to sound like Don Cherry because people put things in your mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, it's not Leon's fault either. You got to get, get, I think he has enough talent, but it's hard for me right now to say, yeah, he's this damn good. He's the best player when he's on a line with the best player in the damn world. Like, 
I, I think when you, like you said, when you have one third of it on one team, it just doesn't make sense. They're lately trying to get Dry Solid on his own line, right? And that's kind of what they should be doing, really, when you look at it. Like, there's times when Dry Seidel gets his own line, and it's nice. And I like that when he's on his own line. But there's too many times when he's on McDavid's line, and it just doesn't make sense. Like, lately, there's been a few times. And when they do that, sometimes they win, right? Like, the Winnipeg series, Dry Seidel's on his own line. Guess what? McDavid has two goals in that game on on the 18th and dry has a shot. He doesn't score, but he's on his own line. At least you have ice time, right? Like at least they're on McDavid though. That should be your point that I've said over and over again. So dry doesn't get points when he's not with McDavid. So does that mean he's top five? Like everybody wants to say, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think so. In my, like honest, opinion. other times he gets three assists, like the game before that versus Calgary. It's just, he, he's not consistent. And that's the thing. Connor McDavid every night puts up and he doesn't, he just does it. And that's how I believe. See, but and the thing with dry settle is like, it might be a coaching like fault, but consistency when you're switching him from being with McDavid to not being with McDavid, I could see how that would fuck up your game and your consistency wouldn't be the same, but like, Oh, and I agree uh, completely. It throws your consistency right off. Back to your Pittsburgh, uh, touching on them, they they almost do it perfect because by putting Melkin on his own lineup, now you have multiple lines you have to worry about because anytime you have a superstar on the ice in Melkin and Crosby, doesn't matter if they're on the same line or different lines, you have a superstar on the ice, so players have to account for them. Oh, for sure. Now, when, you're, when your power play hits, you have multiple superstars on the ice at the same time. Now, in the Oilers, where the Oilers are fucking this up is what I'm getting at here, is you're putting them on the ice the whole game together. So teams can learn to defend that. With um, with how the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins are doing things is when you hit a power play, teams are like, oh, fuck, now we have them both. It's bad enough that you're, you're grinding them out on multiple lines and they're having to uh, cover your matchups on multiple lines. But when you put them together, it's like, oh shit! Like you're grinding teams down much faster. You know what oh, I mean? But, th- but then by by the Oilers putting them both on the same lineup, you're almost you're you're giving other teams a cheat code because all they have to do is defend and like basically get through the storm for the minute and a half shift that they're out on the ice, and then boom, let's put the other guys out and let's. All you have to do is keep that line at bay all game and you have a chance. Well, and I think that's a good closing point. Like, really, that's how it is. And that's how the NHL has always been. So, bridging into our last one, though, is NFL. We're going to do a real quick wrap-up of what we've been seeing lately. And I want you – What I'm going to ask you, what do you think of what just is happening going on in this world with Tampa Bay has now got Sue back. So, this team has lost nobody, really. Now they just got to deal with A.B. and Fournette, and we'll see what goes on with their contracts if they're going to come back. I heard they want to come back. But now they got Nam Kong Sue, so they Sue is back in the house. They kept him. And now Goff is re for the Lions, restructured his contract, so $15 million more for the Lions, and he wants to be there, which is like I said to you off camera, well, we'll take anybody that's half decent that wants to be there because nobody wants to come there, right? Like, that's just it. So in the crazy world of the NFL, what are you seeing? 
Well, the, like, right, well, I just saw just now the Patriots just signed uh, running back James White. They re-signed him. But it's actually, it's actually scary as hell if I'm any other team other than uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because when Tampa is able to put more pieces together on their team and bring back who they had, and I just look at, like, the teams around them, like um, New Orleans. They don't have a quarterback. Um, they literally cut, I think it was, like, 10 or 15 players off their team, uh, trying to make salary room. So they're in trouble. Uh, so down south, it's looking like, really, Tampa Bay is going to walk away with it. And if, um, like... Well, and by the, the time, really, this podcast... Like by the time this hits, you know how fast the NFL. By this time, the listeners are listening to this. There could be a whole bunch of new signings too. Like at the end of the day, that's the craziness right now with the NFL. Every hour, there's something new. Yeah, it's, it's there's a brand new guy every hour. There's something going on, and some days it'll be a little quieter. But like I see what you said is like Tampa Bay is going to try to keep their guys. And when you say yeah, white three signs, I would look at Fournette because they were one of the top runners for Fournette. I think the world's changing in the NFL, and I think Fournette's going to resign with Tampa Bay. AB is they were working out the other day, and they said they're going to try to bring it back type attitude. I think that the money you're going to make your money in other ways is what people are learning. Is you're five time Super Bowl champ, the kids will want your hoodie. If you you they look at the guys from a few years ago that took all the contracts and didn't win anything, they kind of get forgotten. I hate to say it because there's a lot of great players that get. They get kind of lost in, like, for some people that don't, Andre, like Andre Johnson down in Houston. Some people don't even know, some kids today, the only name they know with Houston receivers was Hopkins. Hopkins, Hopkins, that's all I hear. They don't even know about Andre Johnson. Or back in the day, the Jags, Maurice Jones, Drew, Fred Taylor, some superstars. When you don't win, do they make the money? Maurice Jones, Drew's making money because he's a commentator, right? But... A lot of these guys, you take the money up front or you take the money down the road in the long haul, like Gronk, where Gronk, sure, he got paid, but now he has those cards he released that are worth so much because all his Super Bowls. And his name's always tied to Brady because they're besties. Like, that's just a smart business move. I know they're friends, but, like, at the end of the day, that's a super smart business move where a lot of these guys, I think a lot of these teams are greedy. And, like, Juju picked the Steelers for less money than Kansas City or Baltimore. Yeah, I don't know why he, like, especially if you want to win uh, a championship, why wouldn't you go to Kansas City? That, to me, baffled me. Um, Baltimore, uh, fuck, they're, like, yeah, they got a quarterback, but I don't see them winning. I just see when they get to the playoffs, they sputter. They need some more leadership there. I'm actually, I'm just looking at some details right now. I'm shocked that Sue um, signed a $1 million deal at $9 million. To me, I feel like Tampa overpaid a little bit on that. $9 million seems a little high for a one-year deal on Sue, especially his age. Um, and then, But his thing has look- always been, right? Sue's thing has always been this. And this was the argument years ago is J.J. Water Sue, and everybody picked J.J. The thing about Sue is this. You look at the amount of pressure that that guy takes, and wherever he's been, there's been a sack guy. Detroit, Ezekiel Ansah, unreal. Where is Ezekiel Ansah now? He's back up in yeah. San Fran. Then we go down to Miami. 
Sue, Cameron Wake. Oh, everybody, Cameron Wake. I see Dolphin guys wearing his jersey. Where's he now? Titans, backup. Not really doing a hell of a lot. Like, he's not the same player. Then he goes out to the L.A. Aaron Donald leads the league in sacks. Guess what? Aaron Donald isn't leading the league in sacks anymore. Who is on all three of these lines? Sue. Then who? when does Sue go to Tampa Bay? Shaq Barrett. Who leads the league? Like you just look at it, and I think that's where the smart part is. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to spend money on Sue because the NFL hates him. But at the end of the day, Sue might be the best D tackle we've seen of the last 20 years just on disruption. He's not Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the best athlete and the best if you were picking one guy. But you have to take into account the amount that Aaron Donald's paid to Sue. And I see that Tampa Bay, they re-signed Donovan Smith as well. He's on their roster, tackle. Left tackle. Yeah, they're trying to yeah. keep all their line together. And Sue will keep, he will let JPP and Barrett do their thing. And that's what Sue's job is. He'll eat blocks. And it might be a bit much, but I think it's easier. They learned the hard way, right? You put in an entire brand new team last year. And they all got to learn to love each other. You keep the squad together. A lot of these other teams, minus Green Bay and probably San Francisco, they got to learn it together, right? And Tampa Bay is going to be almost the same squad. I, I agree. Tampa is looking scary. Side note here in the NFL, what do you think about Marcus Mariota? This guy takes a seven-fucking-million-dollar pay cut after everybody's getting paid, and it's literally... It's two days after the NFL gets a $110 billion fucking deal. And here you are giving guys discounts. What the fuck is wrong with you in my eyes? That's where I'm looking at it. It's like, yeah, you might. Okay. Like, yeah, you have uh, $55 million in your bank account right now. That's what you're worth. But $7 million. Something's in the back uh, on that one though. Yeah. There's something that's not making sense. He's got a promise or something from Gruden that cars got a short leash. That would be my opinion on that. But like car car is garbage. Like, I think that's what he's I was... doing, right? You can't afford both of them. They were either going to trade him. I don't see there being many trade partners for Marcus Mariota right now. So maybe they throw Marcus no. Mariota. He gets to do the closer role. He comes off the bench type shit. If car sucks and maybe he gets paid later. I just don't see there being a market for him. I think the stupidest thing that I've seen recently wasn't even him is how do, if you're an Eagles fan and they are abrupt and they are something, let's just put it that way. <laughs> that squad is something. You guys hate Carson Wentz. Well, let's see what you think of Joe Flacco. Cause he just is going to be an Eagle. <laughs> and you, you hate Wentz. Enjoy Flacco because Hurts, you've thrown the whole thing into this Jalen Hurts thing, and I hope he works out for you. But if he doesn't, and your backup is Joe Flacco, welcome to the bottom of the shittiest division in probably professional sports, the NFC East, because that's where you will be, at the bottom. You don't see Okay. I, I don't actually mind Joe Flacco. I don't think he can do anything anymore. That guy, is the he was always the cheaper man's Big Ben. In my opinion, he didn't do yep. what Big Ben did. He had a big arm and Big Ben doesn't have much left in him. If I was the Steelers, I'd be looking at a replacement. And if you think Ben is not good and you're one of those people, then you should think Flacco is absolute trash. That's what I say to all the viewers is if you're hard on Ben, then what has Joe Flacco done for you recently? Because 
He is not what he used to be. And I find that uneducated people sometimes are tying these names of old guys. J.J. Watt, and we got into that in another podcast. Great player, great leadership. Are you paying for that or are you paying for what he does on the field? J.J. Watt still got some left in the tank, don't get me wrong. But too much money to some old players. You look at New England, what they've done. Bring in the young guns, let's go type attitude. J.J. Watt should have went to Buffalo, I thought. He picked a team that's not going to win. And I just see that some of these guys are paying for names. Then sometimes they do, and then other times you're not seeing it. And at the end of the day, a lot of the free agency has been spending. And Philly makes no sense on this one at all. See, and that's that's a good point to touch on. Is like guys like J.J., and uh, we've touched on this with a couple other sports, it, to me, it came down. He he's a family man. He has multiple kids, um, so with him, he's not only looking out for him. He has to look out for his kids and their future as well. And to me, part of his signing came down to tax exemptions in certain states. Now he signed to Arizona, which is uh, one of the better city or uh, states to live in as far as taxes go. And I think that's why you saw that there. And now that's unfortunate. I want to ask you a question though. So you got, you have guys like AJ or JJ Watt and you have guys like Joe Flacco. One's offensive, one's defensive. Now, if Joe Flacco would have been a great quarterback, like, um, uh, let's, uh, where do we go with this? Somebody that was good that, uh, ended up in a in a backup role let's say so not like a Peyton Manning or whatever Fitzpatrick type guy yeah yeah and then you get him to your locker room JJ Watt is going to be that voice on the defense I've never seen a guy like Joe Flacco though be that voice on the offense so that's what that like I guess that's what I I'm bringing this conversation into fruition for is like JJ Watt 100% 100% gonna, he's gonna, the Ray Lewis, he's gonna be like the heart of defense. I've never seen that from Joe Flacco, though, on offense. You know what I mean? Like, Big Ben has spark. You know, he, he's able to rally his guys somewhat, but not really like a leader, um, as like a, a Drew Brees, a Tom Brady, a Manning. So, with Flacco there, that's kind of like my argument. Like, he, he used to be good, yeah. But going forward and bring them into your locker room, is he the veteran that's going to bring you leadership? I don't think so. No, I, I think his. I think that's the sad part is a lot of these guys people have these attachments to for way too long. And Flacco was, I I haven't seen anything from him in a long time, and I I, I just. I'm not a fan. I think that that signing doesn't even make sense for them as a backup. I always believed in the philosophy of this. If I have a starting QB, the backup should be able to run a very similar offense. If you have to redo the whole offense, then I do you think that Joe Flacco can run Jalen Hurts' offense? I don't think so. And that was always the issue in Seattle too, right? They find they have Russell Wilson. Like, and even if you look at the Chiefs, they should be looking at a young kid to put behind Mahomes for a bit, and then whether you trade him, whatever you do with him, you figure it out so that you have him learn the offense. When you got to redo the offense with an injury, because injuries happen, unfortunately, then you're redoing things. And then it just, it doesn't work, and it doesn't work out long-term. 
And I, I, the Flacco signing makes no sense to me. And I think that's when you look around the league, why the backup roles always change is smart teams don't do shit like that. They figure out that they want their backup QB to fit in. Like the lions, they suck. Let's be real. But they got rid of Chase Daniel. He was the answer for Stafford. They thought whether that was right or not, that's what they did. Jared Goff now, and they get that guy from Green Bay, the backup, because they think that maybe he can run. That would be what I would do. Is If I was Philly, I would have been looking at a young kid that can run that offense and maybe have some competition, because that was the funny thing. Philly talked a little while ago about a QB competition. Joe Flacco ain't pushing Jalen Hurts for a QB competition. <laughs> and if you think that, then you got another thing coming, because that's not going to be a competition in any world. So is Matt Moore the number two in uh, Kansas City? Chad Henney usually, I think. Okay, so Moore is the third. Okay. Yeah, Henney's usually, but like they could use. I don't know when you watch that game versus where. Which team did they play? I'm blanking. Oh, the Browns when Mahomes got hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They held on. That's all he did. Chad Henney held John. That's all he did. When Mahomes, he basically, if that game goes another quarter, you see Cleveland in the AFC Championship, in my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. And like because Mahomes goes down, and you can say, "Oh, he won the yeah, you won the game," but Mahomes, like really, the the Chiefs weren't the Chiefs once Mahomes went down, and he is the best player. So let's that is fair to say that too. But like, it's hard to replace a guy like that. I'm actually kind of uh, I'm kind of interested in why. Kansas City didn't try to opt in finding a better uh, backup for Mahomes over Henny after the scare that they had last year. Like, uh, with especially with all the quarterbacks, I feel like going, like, either getting cut or not finding homes or underpaid or, like, you know, like, why, why wouldn't you go out and try to find somebody? Well, and that's just it is why don't you figure out that you need somebody behind Mahomes and really, I think as Mahomes matures, he's got to stop. And people will be arguing on that. But the, those hits, right? He's got those hits he can't take. He's your best player. They're better with him than without him. You, he can't be taking those hits like he did in that game. And the extra yard is like, I would look at RG3. He's the laughing stock now. But at one point, RG3 was amazing. And he played through a bunch of injuries. And that led to what happened with RG3, which was sad. He played through that first year, got super hurt, and then his coaches didn't protect him. I think there's a point in time where you got to let them play, but then another point in time where you got to look after their longevity of their career. And, and I 100% agree with you there. Like, um, like these, these players got to start um, looking after themselves because you don't want to be in a situation – where you're forced to retire early or something like that. And I think with what happened to Mahomes, uh, 